It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. And welcome to the Geeky Waffle. Today we're covering the 20th anniversary of Moulin Rouge. Oh my god, I feel so old. With me to talk about our love or hate of this movie is Brie. Hi. And Arzio. Hello. Okay, when was the first time y'all saw this movie? I was 11, I guess. It was the, the year it came out, so I was I was 11. Yeah, I was 11 and living somewhere that wasn't showing it in movie theaters, so I definitely saw it on a bootleg at home. But I all I remember is not completely understanding the plot, but definitely blushing furiously whenever Ewan McGregor was on screen. You were understanding Ewan McGregor. That's what you That's were what understanding. That's what I understood. Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi is singing. I can't handle this. Bree, do you remember the first time you saw this? I think I, I saw it with our friend Liz. I feel like that's when I, I first saw it. We didn't see it together, did we, Candace? I don't think so. No. Vanessa told us that she actually walked out of this movie. Yes, because I think she also went to go see it with Liz, probably a different time. And she walked out and left our friend Liz in the movie theater <laughs> to finish Poor watching Liz. this movie herself. And I, I think Vanessa even said, like, Liz came out. She's like, why did you, why didn't you come back? And Vanessa was like, no, I just hated it. <laughs> she couldn't, she couldn't stand it. Okay, so I went with a bunch of friends because people asked me to go to the movies. And I was like, yes, social. And I had not seen a poster. I had not seen a trailer. I had no idea what to expect. They just said, it's a musical. It looks cool. And I was like, fine, I'm in. And like within the first few minutes, I was like, what the fudge is this movie? Like my little brain could not handle it. But by like half an hour, I was like, I'm in. This is weird. I love it. I didn't know movies could be this weird. So weird. Had you guys not seen Romeo and Juliet by Bayes Lersman? No, because we were children. I, I was saw 11 it. 11 when this movie came out, Brie. Yeah, but I saw it. I mean, maybe I wasn't supposed to, but it was Romeo and Juliet, so... I didn't I didn't have easy access to a lot of media until I was about 13 or 14. So that makes sense. Yeah. If it wasn't I did see Romeo and Juliet shortly after, like maybe a year or so after, but I hadn't seen it up to that. I had point. a giant poster of Leonardo DiCaprio from that movie in my room. Yeah, wow. I had the soundtrack to Romeo and Juliet, but I was not allowed to actually watch it. Like my parents were very strict and I understand. Like they still don't like me watching R-rated movies, and I'm a grown-ass woman. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> The one sentence summary for this movie is, a poet falls for a beautiful courtesan whom a jealous duke covets. Sounds about right, right? That's, yeah. That's just the easiest way I've ever heard this movie put. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. So we're watching this. It can be slightly problematic. Only slightly, Candace? Okay, it could be. A little bit. Just a little bit. It's a little bit. Just a little bit. He calls her a whore when he's mad at her. Yeah. Yeah. Also, and- Nicole Kidman playing a character named Satine. Okay, so Brie knows this. I know there's a character that Candace loves named Satine. But it's not just that Candace loves this character. It's that this character in the Clone Wars is the Duchess of Mandalore. And we all know how Candace feels about Mandalore. But I love Mandalore. She's the Duchess of Mandalore. And when she was like 17, 18 years old, was in a relationship with a similarly teenaged Obi-Wan Kenobi, who was famously brought to life by Ewan McGregor. Oh, so there's that. And then like the creators of Clone Wars say it was a coincidence and I don't believe them for a second. I don't either. Okay, guys, I didn't like this movie. I liked Ewan McGregor in this movie is basically what it is. Okay, wait. So you don't like this movie now? Yeah, I watched <gasps> it. 
Granted, I've been singing Come What May all in my head today. Oh, speaking of which, a little trivia bit. Come What May was originally written for Romeo and Juliet. That's why it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Look at that. Yeah, a little factoid there. I think part of my reason and why I just say Nicole Kidman can't play Satine, I don't think Nicole Kidman can really sing. She doesn't have a strong voice. I hate this movie, guys. I hate it. I hate it so much. I like Ewan McGregor in it, and that's about it. Okay. That's, I mean, that's okay. fair. Okay, some of the other people who were considered for Satine were, yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Kate Winslet, Hilary Swank, Renee Zellweger, Drew oh, Barrymore. No. Oh. Okay, I like Nicole Kidman better than Renee Zellweger, so... Here's the thing. I I love Nicole Kidman. I just, she did not impress me in this movie. And, well, I mean, Candace did a lot of research, and I can't believe the amount of injuries Nicole Kidman suffered on this movie. Okay, yes. Let's talk about, like, what people went through during this, like, a nearly 200-day shoot. So, yeah, Nicole Kidman fractured her ribs and then broke it again trying to fit into a corset. She fell down the stairs... And high heels at three in the morning. Oh, dear. Because of late night film shoots. And that's really dangerous, especially. Do you know if she fell down the stairs before or after her two ribs are broken? After. Then why would they make her do a night? Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, you're asking questions you already know the answer to. Yeah. Okay. So she was like in a wheelchair for some of these scenes. And they had to use like body doubles because literally like she could not stand. Jeez. Okay. So, the so injuries- maybe I give her a little more props and maybe I will hate her less in this movie knowing that now. Yeah, she literally broke her bones for this movie. And also, she ended up losing the, the lead in Panic Room that went to Jodie Foster because of this. Why? Because she was too injured to do all like the physical stuff. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Crazy. I haven't seen Panic Room in a long time. I think it's fairly physical. Uh, like, climbing I mean, it's like stuff. running and everything. Yeah. So, Kidman wasn't the only one. John Legozamo was required to walk on his knees. Do you remember? And Yeah, because they couldn't just hire. Okay. Yeah. So, he used prosthetics and stuff like that. And also, just doing that made his legs go numb. And he said his knees recovered, but it's his lower back that's still compressed. And he has, like, to still go to, like, a physical therapist. Even now? I don't know if even now. This is like in 2005. He was talking about it four years after the release. Still, damn. Well, didn't, didn't you say that he said that, like, if they didn't get him that, his, like, his spine would have been gone because, like, they essentially saved his spine? Yeah, his physical therapist did. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, had no idea watching this and loving this as a kid. I have this on VHS somewhere. So let's talk about the music. It is a jukebox musical, and I was looking at, like, Wikipedia and the list of jukebox musicals, and there were only really a handful before, like, 2001. The most popular one that we all know is, like, obviously Mamma Mia, and that came out in 1999. But after this movie came out, it is, like, dozens of them came out. And I really wonder, do you all think that Moulin Rouge kind of helped? Unfortunately, it helped. Um, yeah, I think it did. <laughs> so... A little tidbit. Candace and I went to high school freshman year together, and we had this drama teacher who would put on his own shows and would add essentially jukebox music to them. And I feel like maybe this is one of the reasons why I hate this movie is because of that. And just 
hearing in Peter Pan and Evanescent song sung by Tinkerbell, it doesn't make any sense. And I think this is this is the she, root of all evil. Is she what, also saying journeys don't stop believing? I can't. I can't. It was so random. They would just stop and start singing these songs. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ours it was it was horrendous. I was. It's one reason why I left that high school. It's like, nah, fam. I can't. Okay. Um, so. It's all, yeah, so Moulin Rouge is the root of all the evil for jukebox musicals. I like jukebox musicals. <laughs> Same. It only made $15 million at the box office, and it cost $50 million to make, but it became a bigger hit on DVD and VHS because of word of mouth. Uh, Candice, it's a box office here made $179.2 million. That is probably worldwide. Ah, cool, cool, cool. Yes, versus, you know, the U.S., yeah. Okay. So yeah, this movie was nominated for Oscars and Best Picture, Best Actress. I was so upset when Ewan McGregor was not nominated. I was like, how dare they? My precious he's, angel man. He's so good in this. Like, he you can it. just say, come what may, and I just hear his voice. His beautiful mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. Like, he, he is the voice of an angel. It won Oscars for Best Costume Design and Best Art Direction. I can absolutely very well deserve. Yes, definitely. The movie was just very chaotic to me. Like, I feel like that's one of the problems I had with this movie is that, yeah, there's a streamlined storyline, right? But I know they wanted you to feel like you were on the Green Fairy or whatever, which... But that's the thing, Brie. Like, the beginning is very chaotic because Christian, like Ewan McGregor's character, is point of view. So if he's overwhelmed, you should be overwhelmed. But as he falls into this world everything falls into place and becomes far less chaotic it's just it's about you being like christian and getting over the the hurdle of being so overwhelmed with this parisian nightlife that you know as he falls in love everything becomes softer and as things become more dangerous everything gets a little darker and like everything starts to flow better and make more sense because it's making more sense to him no and I, i definitely get that i just i don't know I actually don't know really why I hate this movie as much as do I do. Do you like the scene Roxanne? Yes. Roxanne. Yeah. Free. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my god. They're dead inside. I I remember <laughs> when I so it actually is a scene that stands out more so than most, right? Yeah. Um well, okay, I don't hate this scene. I shouldn't say that because it is so distinct in my head. But if you don't like the movie, like... Yeah, I just feel like there's certain aspects of the movie I'm okay with. And I think I think it's just... I wonder if I just associate with bad things that I'm... Maybe I'm still associating it with that. And it was so popular at the time. Maybe I just want to hate it to hate it. Which could be a thing. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Because I loved Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. But it wasn't... As chaotic as this? No, it was chaotic in its own right. I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet. I mean, they're they're full of chaos. But that to me was just the epitome of it was soft, it was sweet, it was maddening at times. And I love that movie so much. But when I compare it to this one, I think it's I don't know. It just feels different. I also don't feel like, like, while I love you and McGregor and he can really do no wrong, I really don't feel like him and Nicole Kidman had much chemistry together, unlike Leonardo and Claire Danes. 
Okay. Speaking of Leonardo, do you know he auditioned for this movie? Uh, because him and Baz are like good friends and the actor wanted in on Moulin Rouge. So he auditioned, despite, as DiCaprio says, I have an atrocious voice. But I'm they so did glad a, it wasn't him. Yeah, they did a thing with him and the piano player and he tried to sing Lean on Me and Baz just turned to him and said, yes, D, I don't know if this conversation should continue. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like the nicest rejection ever. I don't yeah. think we should continue this conversation. Also, Elijah Wood auditioned for this, too. Baby! I know. Keith Ledger lost this role because he looked too young, they said. Well, yeah, because this is like the same year as A Knight's Tale, and look how baby he looks in that. Yeah, and apparently Keith Ledger was so mad about that that he refused to do Australia with Baz Luhrmann. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I can respect it. Yeah. Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal were also considered. And while they have good voices, is, is something about you, McGregor, just wow. Yeah. It he just works. Believable. So Arzu is yes. one of the few blessed who actually saw the Broadway musical that came out a few years ago. Yeah. I saw it right before everything closed. The dream. And so we talked about this off air about how this show updates the movie to make it less problematic. Can we talk about some of those changes? Okay, so there's a few a few things they change. So one of the main things they change is they make it more of a, a concrete love triangle between Satine, Christian, and the Duke. So in this, it's very clear it's Christian and Satine are into each other and the Duke is a creepy old guy who thinks no means try harder. So, yeah. but the thing is in the musical, um, first of all, the Duke is younger. Second of all, the Duke is incredibly sexy. And he sort of makes a good case to Satine, you know, that her being his mistress is going to give her a position in society that is otherwise not accessible to her. And Satine being realistic, knowing what happens to actresses in 1800s France who age out of their sexiness is like, okay, that that makes sense. So the two of them are actually in a relationship for most of the, like a sexual relationship, but still they're in a relationship for the bulk of the musical, even though she is with Christian. So she's like sleeping with both of them. So that's one change. Hmm. And then obviously this blows up exactly the way it does in the movie, but there's a a bigger element to it because it's not like this guy who has a crush on a lady who's not interested. It's this guy whose mistress is cheating on him. So there's that, there's that element. There is the fact that some of the songs have changed. So, you know, they're using more contemporary pop music. Like they have Royals by Lord in there that comes to mind. Firework by Katy Perry. Um, the what? Roxanne Tango has been updated, so there's some Lady Gaga in there as well. So that that was all really, really cool to have, like, more cont- – oh, um, they drink the Green Fairy, like the absinthe, towards the middle of the show and sing Chandelier. So that's a whole thing. But um, – and then the biggest change, I think, that everybody can appreciate is the fact that in the movie, the musical that they put on at the end is very um, culturally appropriative. Yep. Which is not – inaccurate for the time period in which it's set not by any means but you know we live now we don't live then so the the whole like elephant thing is still present in the musical that like satine lives in this elephant but the musical that they put on is about a sailor and the woman he loves. So it's not set in India with a maharaja and a courtesan and whatever. It's it's this it's this like sailor captain. So it's, they've made it European centric. So that's, that's the musical that they're putting on. And then at the end, when Christian freaks out at Satine about 
you know, where in the movie he throws money at her and screams, I paid my whore in front of half of Paris. In this one, they, uh, so he's running lines with her, like as part of the musical. And it's this very overdramatic dialogue of like, no, don't leave me, not like this. And it's all very over the top. But then when he confronts her on stage, they deliver the dialogue very sincerely. So I think it works better. I don't know if that made sense. But yeah, no, it's it's less, again, problematic. Not calling yeah, a woman like a whore. Another thing is like, Satina's given agency, really. She, uh-huh. She's, yeah, she's not being told like, go see the Duke because Zidler wants you to see the Duke. She's like, I'm gonna... I'm going to go sleep with the Duke because this is going to get me something I want. And realistically, it's everybody for themselves. Mm-hmm. So so she does have agency. And I do think there is genuine conflict that she has about which which man is is going to permit her to live her life the way she wants to. Yeah, and she, it's just like about Satine being a survivalist, really. She's mm-hmm. just trying to survive in this world. Where she is a woman and like she doesn't have many choices. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I love those changes and I've listened to the soundtrack so much. It's beautiful. And of course, people who act on Broadway also have amazing voices. So Karen Olivio and and Aaron Tilvik singing Come What May, it is just perfection. I didn't see Karen Olivo when I went. She was <gasps> out that night. Oh, so I no, saw her really? understudy. But she was still excellent. But I saw I saw the understudy. Hey, understudies like, can be very yeah. good. She was as as my friend pointed out, like the lead is the lead. They are comfortable in that knowledge, but the understudy has a lot more to prove. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, there Did- was one girl sitting right in front of me. Or not like slightly offset, but like a little bit over. But oh my God, she was having the time of her life at this show. Mm-hmm. Anytime like one of the faster songs would start, she was dancing in her seat. At one point she stood up and started dancing and then somebody had to pull her back down because ma'am, wow. we're trying to watch this. But yeah. Yeah. Did you see Aaron at least? I did. The rest of the cast was the original cast. It was just Karen Leva that wasn't there. Okay, cool. Is there anything else you both would like to mention about Moulin Rouge? Maybe can, third can, can. time is a charm. Yes. This is my second time watching. Okay. Well, actually, Brie, we need to go see the musical version when everything opens up. Let's do that. I'll make a pact. I'll go see the musical version. Yeah. I think we'll both like that a lot more. And plus, I miss theater. I know. Me too. (laughs) The last one I saw was Beetlejuice. And I miss it. And the last thing we saw together was Cat. So, you know, anything's going to be better than that. So (laughs) We got issues. Just bringing up that Karen is leaving Broadway's Moulin Rouge. Because of the lack of respect by the theater community over allegations against Scott Rudin. And she is taking a stand that way. So thank you, Karen. We would like to know, have you seen Moulin Rouge? Have you seen the Broadway version? Do you like either of them? Or are you like Brie and just going, nah? You can find us at The Geeky Waffle on Instagram, Facebook. On Twitter, we're geeky underscore waffle. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Geeky Waffle. And we're just like thegeekywaffle.com to read some cool articles and just find out everything about us. And so, yes. our older podcasts as well. Yes. And thank you, Arzu. Thank you, Brie, for talking about this awesome movie, even though Brie doesn't think it's that awesome. Maybe third time's awesome. a charm. I'll watch it for a third time at some point. Okay. Maybe, maybe watching it with people will help. Yeah. Okay, well, we hope you all stay geeky, come what may.